Unpacking Potato, the show where I, Hani, the self-proclaimed potato, will be unpacking a variety of different topics. So first of all, I really want to thank everybody who's been so kind and supportive on my first episode and messaged me and commented me and taken the time to like share it on their Instagram and stuff. It means so much to me that you listened and you enjoyed it and some of the feedback I got was absolutely amazing and just like overwhelming. I had a friend say that they were having a very low day um, feeling down about themselves and listening to the first episode made them realize all the, of all their accomplishments and make them feel better and that just like warms my heart. So thank you Um, and if you're coming back for episode two welcome back and if you're new here hello I'm just so happy for you to be here and join me on this episode Um, so for today's episode I want to talk about power privilege and intersectionality so the reason I want to talk about this early in the show is because currently I hold a position of power so in this moment that you're listening to this whether that's on your couch on a walk in your workout whatever this is still a one-way street meaning that I'm the speaker and you're the listener it's not exactly a conversation Um, I mean of course you can message me afterwards about your thoughts on the show and give me feedback and that kind of thing of course but because this is a recording I control the dialogue therefore I hold a certain level of power in this dynamic because you can't respond to what I'm saying in real time so that's why I thought it was really important for me to talk about my own privilege and to be 100% transparent to you about where I'm coming from so of course going forward you'll get to know more about me and my life and everything that kind of makes me well me but in this stage I still have to go off the generic assumption that the audience doesn't know me I mean most of you right now listening you do know me we're friends you're supporting me and you're listening to me um but even then we probably haven't had like a really in-depth conversation about you know my own privilege and oppression and all these topics like it doesn't really come up in everyday life too much so I always think it's good to kind of open that door and have that conversation so I thought it would be really important to have that on the show um to be open and honest about my own privilege and my own work that I've put in to be more cognizant about my biases values and like um, like preconceptions on the world so I mean in another way too in the future when I do misspeak or I'm more ignorant on a certain issue because I'm human being so obviously there are going to be some things that I don't know a lot about and maybe I'll say the wrong thing or whatever um, it just provides a better foundation of understanding for you and for myself and my future learning to be like this is where I'm coming from this is my I guess place I mean, that's kind of not the best way to put it, but I guess place in society um, that I'm coming from and where my opinions are coming from. I also think that being open and honest about my own process of unlearning my own bias will help normalize acknowledging privilege and hopefully that'll encourage more people out there to consider exploring this subject a little bit deeper within themselves because I think it's very important for everybody, um, no matter what profession, no matter like what position of um, power or privilege or oppression, you know, that you stand in, it's just good to do that reflection. So I just want this to be at the forefront of my show so that everyone can have a better understanding of where I'm coming from and also know where my shortcomings lie. So a little bit about my background. I'm very, very fortunate in the sense that I did a lot of this inner work during my undergrad um, in my under in my early 20s, sorry, and my graduate studies in social work later on. Learning about our own internal bias and unpacking our own privilege was a big part of our initial studies, and I had the opportunity to explore that um, 
with like, well, basically supervision, but with a lot of support from professors and peers that were all going through that same process. So I had the opportunity to unlearn that bias. And it's really hard work reflecting and facing that there is a lot of guilt and confusion um, that surrounds this kind of work. So I was really lucky to do that in a space where it was very open, honest, um, and around academic learning as well. So we actually had all these like resources and it wasn't just me trying to figure it out for myself. Um, and I know that that is a huge, huge privilege for me because nowadays people are more aware of this type of stuff of where their privileges are and power dynamics and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's amazing. However, a lot of that work is done privately and in silent um, and a lot of this guilt and confusion it's hard to talk about that out loud because it can sometimes be seen as a taboo subject and so when people go through this they go through it alone and they deal with the turmoil in silence so I really wanted to talk about this um, more outwardly and tell you it's okay it's okay to feel confused it's okay to feel guilty it's okay to feel angry like a lot of emotions come with this kind of work so that's why I wanted to be um the first to talk about this or not the first to talk about this but I wanted this to be the first subject on this show so I am a cis woman able-bodied 1.5 generation Korean Canadian citizen speak fluent but learned English. I'm middle class, financially stable, housed, uh, average, body sized. I'm neurodivergent but I'm undiagnosed, um, bisexual in a heteropresenting relationship. I'm master's level educated and for the most part mostly stable mental health wise but you know I have my days as everybody. But yeah so that is basically um, my I guess identifying factors. And the reason I'm identifying all these factors is because I think it's really important to recognize what areas in my life I'm privileged in and therefore hold power in and what areas in my life I'm more marginalized and therefore can be subject to oppression. So I think this is the first, very, very first step to identifying where we lie in society in an intersectional manner. The first time I ever did this was when I read this book called Becoming an Ally. It's by Anne Bishop, and it was an assignment, basically, to read this book. It's not very long. It's pretty thin, um, but it's jam-packed full of very good resources and information. Um, so this is what this book was for my first social work course, and it's what introduced me to intersectionality, privilege, um, power, and oppression. I definitely highly recommend it for anybody who wants to um, get to learn a little bit more about those topics. And, you know, the title of the book is Becoming an Ally, so it's very good if you want to, you know, become an ally. And in this book, uh, we look at something called the flower of power, and it's this diagram of this idea and this idea has been expanded and further developed by lots of people and there's lots of different uh, versions on the internet that you can find the one I'm going to be talking about specifically is called the wheel of power slash privilege I've shared both the wheel of power and the flower of power to my Instagram so you can uh, go and take a look at what I'm talking about on at unpacking potatoes Uh, go look at it right now pause this go open it and then keep listening (laughs) so in this wheel the center is labeled power and the outer layers are labeled marginalized the sections of the wheels close to the center are the levels of people's experiences with the most privilege and power and the outer layer is the most marginalized and oppressed groups so in in between those sections in the middle is well the middle 
The original Flower of Power, the sections are only labeled as the various forms of oppression, like in the middle, the different, I guess you could say, categories, and everything is left blank. And the exercise is for you to actually go and fill in where you think your own social identity lies in the sectors, um, so you can kind of fill it in yourself. I prefer the Wheel of Power slash Privilege because it's already all filled in for you, and you can kind of circle what you identify with the most. And this is going to vary for everybody um, because obviously there are three different I guess, labels, and so you might lie somewhere in the middle of two, or you might not agree with how it's labeled. So it's really just a make it your own thing, but that's the general idea of it. So the point of the exercise is to see how close to the center you are in each category, and to the closer you are, the more privilege and power you hold. I invite you to all do this exercise really quickly, just look at the label, see where you are, just to see like a quick glimpse of where you think um, you lie in society with your experiences. And the purpose of this activity isn't to make you feel bad or to guilt you in any way for how much power or privilege you hold. It's really just to bring to your attention um, which aspects of your life that you hold privilege in and which aspects you might not. Everyone's going to be different. Everyone's going to have different levels of power. But that's what intersectionality is all about. So intersectionality can be defined as the interconnected nature of social categorizations such as race, class, and gender as they apply to a given individual or group, regarded as creating overlapping and interdependent systems of discrimination or disadvantage. And that's from the Oxford Dictionary. Um, In the book I mentioned, Anne Bishop states that no one form of oppression can stand alone without others, and that as long as the basic assumptions of competition, separation, and hierarchy are present, everything else follows. So this is why intersectionality is so important, because oppression is literally fed by competition and separation. So I, if if you know me, you know I like metaphors a lot, um, and examples. So this is the one that I came up with. So let's say that I work at a company that's been running online on Zoom since the company started. And now we're moving into a new building, COVID's dying down, and we need to continue our operations and we're going to be doing it in person. So in the Zoom meeting discussing this move, when it comes down to workplace safety, someone else in the group is so focused on having elevators installed in the building. And I don't understand why they're so lazy to need an elevator it's literally a three-story building. Like, just walk up those two stories. It's not a big deal. We don't need to spend thousands of dollars on it. And for me, it's, like, more important to install brighter lights in the parking lot so that it's safer when we leave late at night or arrive early in the morning so that it's bright. And here's the catch. The company only has enough money for one. So this other person and I am just arguing about who's right and what's more important to have in this new um, building that we're going to be moving into soon. And like it's stressful and we're arguing and it's a whole thing. So myself, as an able-bodied person, I have no idea what it's like to need accessible options when it comes to -to day-to-day life. But as a woman of color, I'm more worried about the physical safety of women in the workplace, which is why I'm more worried about, you know, lights in the parking lot and that kind of thing. So maybe this other person is... Um, not able to climb stairs maybe they're in a wheelchair or maybe they have um, physical abilities that you know doesn't allow them to use stairs on a daily basis and that's their priority but I don't see that because we're over zoom everyone's sitting down we just see faces or maybe we don't even see faces and that's where this like argument and competition is kind of rooted in but instead If we had known and if we were able to understand where each other was coming from and understand the capabilities of each other, instead of arguing about who gets what, 
we could turn to the company or the owner and demand a different building entirely that's in a safer environment or maybe just in the same building but on the first floor so that it's accessible and then we can use the money for the lights. I hope that makes sense. That's the kind of best metaphor I could think of on the spot. Um, But in recognizing all these privileges that I hold and benefit from a daily basis, I can do better at trying my best to look at other perspectives. And I'm not saying I'm going to be perfect at it and no one will be, but we can definitely try to get better and set each other up for success that way. So in saying all this, I think another big part of understanding your own bias and privilege is also acknowledging the quote-unquote undesirable traits that might come with your preconceptions. So for example, I wrote this piece for an LGBTQ plus community that I was a moderator for um, because I felt that there was so much arguing happening between between the discussion boards when discussing sensitive topics and um, kind of trying to teach each other different things and trying to bring some uh, issues to light. So I will share it now. There will be some repetition and content, um, but I wanted to read my words verbatim when I wrote it in that moment just to keep the integrity of my words. So as a member and moderator for this awesome group, reading a lot of post requests and comments, I'd like to say something. I am transphobic. I'm also homophobic, misogynistic, ableist, and racist. I know I am because I grew up in a society which is inherently all these things. I actively work on unlearning all my transphobic, homophobic, misogynistic, ableist, and racist behavior on a daily basis, and it has been a cognizant effort since I was in my early 20s when I first acknowledged my preconceptions on the world and my own experience privilege based on my upbringing, socioeconomic status, race, and all the other factors that play into my life until now and going forward. It was a shocking and humbling discovery, and I'm constantly reminded of my privilege and the need to continue the need to continuously learn as I go on in life. I wanted to come out and say all this because I want to highlight that when someone says that something you said or a thought you have or your partner, family, friends, etc. have is homophobic, transphobic, misogynistic, ableist, or racist in nature, it is not an attack on the person. I find that it's our instinct to go on the defensive when any of these words are used, but in reality, we are all these things, just on different levels. It doesn't make you a bad person to be transphobic, homophobic, misogynistic, ableist, racist, etc. if you are trying to unlearn the tendencies that we all inherited from our surroundings and upbringing. However, if you blatantly and completely ignore or reject the mere idea that you could have some transphobic, racist, ableist, homophobic, misogynistic, etc. ideologies, slash tendencies, slash behaviors, and don't do anything, slash refuse to reflect upon your own privilege, then that's a different story. Let's remember, and I'm reminding myself as well, to be kind and show empathy to each other when speaking on these topics. For those who inform others on their transphobic, homophobic, misogynistic, ableistic, racist tendencies, let's remember that not everyone had the privilege or opportunity to learn about systemic and intersectional oppression in the world, and they might be new to the subject. For those who are reminded of their transphobic, homophobic, misogynistic, ableist, racist tendencies, remember that we're part of a community that is based on learning and communication. Being told something you said or think is transphobic, homophobic, misogynistic, ableist, or racist is not automatically saying you're a horrible person. Let's think of it as an opportunity to reflect on our preconceptions on the world. So I wrote that and posted it and thankfully got some good response. And I think people, you know, they did react fairly positively to it, but I know that not everyone understands where that is coming from because they don't 
think they're ever wrong. (laughs) And I think that that's a really dangerous mindset to come from, um, thinking that there's no room for failure. I think, you know, the word failure has such a big negative connotation to it. And, you know, I'm going to talk about this in a whole other episode, but people get so, so defensive with those terms. And that's a reason I completely, I repeated it a million times is being called one of those things is like the worst thing in the world because it feels like, it feels bad. You don't want to be those things because it isn't a good feeling to know that you hold these tendencies or the bees behaviors. Um, You don't want to admit to it, whether that's yourself, your family members, friends, partner, whatever. But I think if we remember to just take a beat and listen and think about, okay, this doesn't identify who I am as a person. It's just the thing that I've said or an action that I partook in or whatever. Then it's easier to be like, okay, let's see where that came from. Where is that rooted in within myself? And try to reflect a lot more on that you know, behavior, action, thought, value, you know, so on and so forth. So I really want the show to be a constant reminder, you know, to myself of all these thoughts. Um, when people write in with their questions, stories, you know, requests with advice, um, etc. I always want to be on the side of curiosity and learning rather than judgment. And I just wanted that to be really clear um, from the start. I don't want anyone to feel that anything they write to me is going to be judged or I'm going to be saying you're wrong or whatever. Like whatever it is, whatever your opinion is, I will always stand in a stance of unknowing and curiosity and of course if you ask for advice um, I'm gonna have my opinion on things for sure and again that opinion comes from my own lived experiences and maybe my education um, depending on the topic and but at the end of the day if you're that person writing into me you don't have to take any of my advice. <laughs> you don't have to take any of it. You can literally disagree with absolutely every single thing that I say. And you live your life the best way you think you should live your life. What feels good for you and what, you know, fuels you going forward. I basically wanted to just address that straight on um, from the beginning just because I really want to set the foundation of this podcast um, to be a space for me to share my thoughts, my feelings, my ideas, issues, whatever, um, but also a space for you to share your thoughts and feelings. And of course, because like I said at the beginning of the show, I do hold the power and control of the dialogue. I will be, you know, the one who chooses what's talked about and I'll be the one talking about and all that kind of stuff. But I still want people to feel comfortable um, to write in their thoughts and issues without thinking that I'm just going to be like this big judgmental process and I'm just going to be like, what are you doing with your life? Like, no, it's really just a place for me to share um, the different lives that women lead. And again, It's mostly centered around women, but if you're not identifying as a woman listening to this, then that's fine too. I just want it to be really, really um, transparent that it's going to be a space where the main foundation and goal is going to be learning, curiosity, support, and love, as cheesy as that sounds, but that's just what it is. So yeah, I hope that this wasn't too heavy for you today. Um, again, I'm going to try to keep it pretty short here. I do, I did have some submissions, so that's super exciting. So the next episode, I will be talking about 
that um, specific topic that somebody wrote into me and sharing my thoughts on that. So if you have something that you would like to talk about or you would like me to talk about, please, I um, encourage you to submit on the Google form. It is in the link in my uh, Unpacking Potatoes Instagram, and I would be more than happy to share that on the show. And again, thank you to everybody so much for all the love and support. Um, I really, really didn't... I'm just so happy and just over the moon that, you know, first of all, I got a lot of comments saying that you like my voice <laughs> because I said something about not liking hearing my own voice when I edit. So thank you um, for that compliment. I still don't believe you, but you know, that's me. That's my own problem. I'm sure I'll get used to it. <laughs> but I just want to say how much I've been enjoying this process, sitting down and recording and planning what I want to talk about. It's just been so exciting and fun for me. I know it's just episode two, but still... And yeah, I hope everybody has the best day. And again, thank you so much for listening. Bye. Thank you to my amazing partner, Vince, for the guitar sounds. I'm not musical. That is not me playing. And this episode is sponsored by Potatoes. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I don't have any sponsors. But I do eat a lot of potatoes. So like technically they do sponsor me because that's how I feel my belly and live. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Okay, love you. Bye.